Hello, and welcome to Farfetched Stories. My name is Ariam Verberg, and I'm your host on here. I am very glad to say that we're back to normal on the podcast, and that for this week we have Diana Moore narrating for us once again. In today's episode, the upcoming battle forces the Raven to not only confront his past, but also someone with a devious plan. As always, I'd like to thank Louisa Mitchell for her text editing, and Alex Liu for his music. If you'd like to receive email notifications for this podcast, please visit remverberg.com and subscribe there. For now, I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Raven's Toll, Episode 7. Bad Dreams, Bad Memories. No matter how hard the raven tried, he could not sleep. In the morning, they'd reach Magoya Forest and the enemy troops. Night pressed on him like a clammy hand. Summer here brought an incessant, wet heat which did nothing to ease his troubled mind. He remembered when the Contellian hinterlands had consisted of great plains, with rivers running through them. Summers back then had been pleasant and peaceful, full of ripening grass and merchants on the roads, until the war had started. His war, the Vanta War, which had flooded the rivers and depleted the soil till no peace remained. He tossed and turned on the narrow cot. His memories were particularly torturous tonight, running across the plains with his friends, feet thundering on the ground, their steps wider and faster than those of any human. Fire in his lungs, his hair streaming behind him, his whole body blooming with skill. They'd harnessed the desire of an entire village to control the river. Contellian adults, Contellian children, piling rocks into the water like madmen, blocking the stream, building a dam. He knew those people wouldn't stop until the water rose, until they ran out of strength, until they drowned, and their pale green bodies poisoned the river. With a start, the raven sat up. Sweat ran down his face and across his chest. How could he ask Kuras to do something he hadn't been able to do? He told the commander to think independently, that he himself had mindlessly gone along with his peers, only seeing his mistakes when it was too late to fix them. He took deep breaths, trying to slow down his heart. He didn't know what he was doing, even now. Didn't know how he could help Kuras turn the tide. Five hundred years old and he didn't know anything. The realization brought a loneliness so overwhelming it made him dizzy. He jumped up, grabbed a shirt, and stumbled outside. The air was surprisingly cool. It was later than he'd thought. Two sleepy guards saluted him, without much interest, probably just trying to get as much rest as they could. The last two days had been brutal, with long marches on little to no rations. In more cultivated areas, troops traveled through the Covenant's mag-line network, but out here, there were no mag-lines, which meant walking, even for the officers, although some of them rode on the hand-pulled supply carts. The raven was proud that Kuraslaus had chosen to walk with his troops, in spite of his condition. As his whirling thoughts started to calm down, a sudden wave of concern for Kuras hit him. The commander was rash, arrogant, and blind to his own position, but the man was trying. 
He was also sick. The raven should probably check to see if Karas was all right, he thought. As he threw on his shirt and started to move through the camp, he realized that he was starting to like his new ward. The commander's tent was pitched to the outside of the camp, bordering on some tenery bushes. The area was eerily quiet, not a guard in sight. The raven halted. Something told him to make a right and approach from the bushes. He slipped in between the tenery, touching neither branch nor leaf, guided by an unknown force to a place just behind Kuras's tent. He heard them breathing before he saw them. They tried to be quiet, but their nervous energy gave them away. Zori stood in the bushes, eyes fixed on the tent, cradling a pouch in their hands. I wouldn't if I were you, he said. They startled and swiveled around. It took them a moment to regain their composure. Do what? They countered. I'm just getting some air. Sure you are, the raven said. Is that what the Anthepa powder's for? Without waiting for an answer, he moved in, snatched the pouch from Zori's hands, and darted away. Their eyes widened in shock, but they made no move to stop him. The raven opened the pouch and wafted some of the scent towards him. He smelled what he'd anticipated, all sharp, medicinal top notes. Anthepa was a recent invention, a powerful antidote that kept the plague outbreaks in the colonies at bay. Administered to a healthy man, however, let alone one with a weakened nervous system, it could cause seizures, possibly lethal ones. You knew of his condition, he said. You knew no doctor would question a seizure. Of course I knew, Zori said despondently. Servants know everything. Go ahead, arrest me. The raven hesitated. There was something so forlorn about Zori that it hit too close to home. Why? he asked quietly. Why take all this risk to kill him? Zori looked up. Who are you? What do you mean? I'm Commander Laos's advisor. Their eyes narrowed. You saw me in the mines, they said slowly. And yet, you didn't rat me out. Even now, you hesitate. Why? The raven smiled. I just stopped you from killing someone. Is it so hard to believe I'd like to prevent you being killed, too? The smile slid from his face. We both know you'd be executed. Zori seemed to shrink before his eyes. I have been standing here for hours, they mumbled. I couldn't do it, anyway. The raven turned away from the tent. Come on, he said. Like you said, let's get some air. The two of them walked until they came to a quiet spot of high ground, surrounded by spindly, long-limbed tenery trees and wetlands. Even the marshes were asleep, morning light still a good hour away. They sat down, overlooking a pond with a mirror-like surface. The raven could tell how tense Zori was. They probably expected abuse. Zori, he said, as kindly as possible. Please tell me your motive. Why would I tell you anything? You don't have to, he said, but I'd like to have a good reason not to turn you in. They turned to him, arms up, eyes flashing. You work for my master. What's the catch? No catch, he said. Let's say I'm a proponent of fair chances. I believe that Laos could be a force for good within this army, but so could you. I'd rather not eliminate your chances if I can help it. Well... That's great, but you saw the Anthepa, they said. It's too late now. The raven smiled sympathetically. 
I also saw the way lust treats you. I get wanting to run, wanting to rebel. I just don't understand. Why go to such extreme measures? Zori was silent for a while. You really mean it, they finally said. You really want to know. I do, the raven said. He leaned back on his hands, making himself non-threatening. The tension went out of Zori all at once, like a hand being unclenched. I figured you were one of the good ones, they mumbled. Maybe you'll understand. Understand what? he asked gently. Zori's eyes met his. I came from a clan of leaders, they said. My great-grandparents lived through the Bonto Wars. I take it you know what those are, and how much Kantel suffered. He froze, barely able to keep a straight face. He nodded. Our people went underground then, Sori continued. Many of us died. Others killed themselves out of despair over everything they'd seen. But my clan refused to give up. They swore they'd never again be ruled by a foreign power, magic or otherwise. They managed to build a new city below the mountain, even more beautiful than the cities we'd left. Khan Lee, the raven said quietly. Zori nodded. They swore they'd stay independent, and they did. Over the years, we restored our clan units underground. We found ways to farm the white-wheeled creepers and cook their fruits, and traded gemstones for bread. We formed new schools for the children, children who could laugh again, who'd never seen the atrocities of war. The raven could hear them, just like he had when he'd seen the settlement. Children running around, their laughter clear like crystal. We were happy, until the covenant came. Sori's voice was cold and emotionless. I was there when my parents led the last charge against Sorn. I saw my kin being killed and enslaved again. I was there. They wiped the back of their hand across their eyes. I'm sorry, the raven said. So I swore an oath, too. Zori continued. While they put me in chains and traded me off to the highest bidder, I swore. I swore I'd free myself from their power and that I'd destroy it. They looked up, their black eyes haunted. I know I can't give my people their independence back, they said. But I will get mine back by destroying the one who has power over me. The silence lasted for minutes. Wouldn't you rather be a leader than a killer? The raven finally said. What? Sori looked confused. Well, when the Contellians get their independence back one day, they will need good leaders. And a leader is not someone who destroys, but someone who builds, he said with a smile. Just like your great-grandparents did. Sori thought about it. We'll never get our freedom back, they mumbled. The Covenant is too greedy. Agreed, the raven said, earning him a surprised look from Zori. But Kuraslaus is different. They started to protest, but he continued. I know how terrible he's been to you. I'm not defending him or asking you to like him. All I'm asking you to do is look at the bigger picture. He will make changes in Contel, and you will be free again to lead your people. I swear. 
How do you know? Something in Zori's eyes had changed. A hint of trust crept in, barely palpable, like the first spring green breaking through snow. The raven hesitated. For a second, he was running across the plains again, leaving Zori's forefathers to die. How did he know? Trust me, he said finally. The atmosphere became charged. Was there a hint of skill creeping into his voice? Suddenly, he became aware of Zori's attraction to him. Had that been there before, or had he called it into being? An intense sadness filled him. He could feel it clearly now, their loneliness, the way they involuntarily leaned towards him. In a way, they mirrored his own emotions. If only he was human and could mitigate his feelings the way humans did. But he could not. His loneliness stemmed from different depths. Besides, he'd seen Thetis go down that route. Romantic love only messed things up for humans. Go now, he said gently. I won't tell on you, but you have to swear you won't touch Kuros Laos. Zori studied him. All right, they said finally, with a look he couldn't decipher. I swear. They got up. Thank you, they whispered, and lightly touched his arm. Then they disappeared. A frog splashed into the water in front of him, disturbing the surface. The raven let out a long sigh. The skill raged through him. It had gotten a little taste, now it wanted more. For the moment, the situation was under control. But Koras still needed guidance, and now he'd have to keep Zori in check without encouraging them. He sighed again. It was a perfect storm. And to top it all off, in a few hours the battle would start.